Chapter Two of The Broken Rosary by Grace and Harold Johnson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Two. It was eight forty-five p.m. when Detective Sam Brighton walked rapidly into the reception room of his brother's office. His grim, taut expression contradicted his hurried movements, as if the wish to reach his brother was fighting the desire to avoid facing the reality of sudden death. Wilkes laid a restraining hand on his arm to keep him from rushing into the inner office. "'Nolan told you?' Sam's lips trembled. He nodded, then forced his lower lip between his teeth, swallowed determinedly, and asked, "'Did you call priest, Wilkes?' O'Hara called one from St. Joseph's. He's on his way now. Sam's shoulders lowered slightly. He breathed audibly, as if relieved, and took a step toward the inner office. Again Wilkes put a hand on his arm. I phoned Wally's home to notify Mrs. Brighton, but got no answer. Wilkes paused, then added, Sam, why don't you go home and stay with your mother? She'll need you. We'll take care of this end. Sam considered what Chief Wilkes said before he replied. That's nice of you, Wilkes, but I'm not leaving until I know the details. Got any ideas who might have done it? Wilkes raised a questioning shoulder and hesitated before replying. Looks a lot as if he did it himself. Sam pulled his arm away from Wilkes' hand. He'd never do that. Never. Chief Wilkes gave Sam a straight look. It's one possibility, Sam. But then, he may have been murdered. We're considering both angles. I have a paraffin test of Wally's hand. It might give us definite proof. Sam turned abruptly and walked into the inner office. He readily saw why Wilkes said it appeared to be suicide. You see what I mean, Sam? Wilkes said as he followed him into the inner room. Powder burns. He was shot at very close range. Sam nodded and then pointed to the cigarette and lighter that had fallen under the desk. How'd they get there? Wilkes shrugged again. I've been wondering about them, too. Cigarettes, obviously, from the pack on the desk. He could have been lighting up when he was shot, Sam said. Wilkes raised his eyebrows questioningly. And saying his rosary at the same time? Sam rubbed his moist hand wearily across his forehead. There were too many unanswered questions. But of one thing he felt sure. Wally had not committed suicide. Not when he was still carrying his rosary with him. Turning to Wilkes, he asked, Do you have the names of everyone who was in the building tonight? Yes, Wilkes replied. He handed Sam the list. Sam's eyes moved quickly over the names, then returned to scrutinize each one as he stood in deep thought. When he looked up, he found Wilkes eyeing him intently. Mean anything to you? Wilkes asked. Sam shook his head. The confusion in his mind kept him immobile, speechless. He had noted that his own name was on the list also that of Vera, Wally's wife. He handed the paper back to Wilkes and again looked down at his dead brother. A feeling of futility swept over him as he stood motionless. He had failed Wally. He should have made him see how the course he was following was bound to end this way. He was older. He should have tried to stop Wally the first time he heard rumors of how he was using his office to blackmail people. It was fairly easy for a prosecutor to conduct a trial so that the accused would go free if enough money came through to make it worth while. Had Waldy really been doing this? Sam shook his head as if to remove the ugly thought, but it did no good. 
why that very afternoon wally had as much as admitted that he was a blackmailer if only he had tried harder then to convince him of his error sam's accusing thoughts raced through his mind what a day it had been it had started out all wrong when wally hadn't appeared at seven o'clock mass at st mary's as he promised mom he would he could still see the sad look in her eyes as she walked with him to his parked car i thought wally would be at mass today he said he'd try to be with us mrs brighton said yeah i know but look mom you've got to remember that wally's a busy guy he probably dropped in at st peter's with the rest of the aristocrats from his side of town there was a hopeful ring in his mother's voice you think he did sam didn't but he wanted to spare his mother's feelings wally's awfully busy mom no one's too busy to go to mass and holy communion on first friday he probably went well i wish he'd drive over and go with us once in a while like he used to that's clear across town mom a half-hour drive and then i say why go slumming hush sam don't talk like that there's nothing wrong with this neighborhood and old st mary's why the murphys the flicks the hannigans the sure i know mom they're still our neighbors and they're all swell people too but sam opened the door of his car and helped his mother into the seat talking about the neighbors was safe ground he'd better try to keep it there he didn't want any more talk about wally while they rode down the street toward their home sam glanced out the side window and saw small neat homes crowded between encroaching factories and stores i wish you'd let me build us a house out on the south side a nice modern job mrs brighton frowned there's nothing wrong with our home and the way you've got it fixed up now is plenty modern enough for me sam felt he had been evasive with his mother that morning and now he could see where he had been wrong again that afternoon when he talked with wally he had been thinking off and on all day about the rumors he heard about his brother bits of conversation among men of the force only bits because everyone usually clammed up when he approached around four o'clock as he was looking out the windows of the detective bureau he saw his brother come out of the courthouse he decided then and there to take the matter up with wally with a quick movement he grabbed his coat and slipped into it while he hurried out of the building in pursuit of his brother he swept past the benches under the elm trees which surrounded the red brick courthouse he hardly noticed the children playing on the cannon a relic of the civil war a block ahead on the northwest corner of the square he saw wally who had stopped to talk to happy to below the delight enabled sam to overtake him within the next block hi wally sam said he jerked his head backward in the direction Tipolo had gone. Not particular who you're seen with in public, are you? Wally forced a laugh. He votes, and so do the rest of his gang. You're a hard guy to catch these days. Seems I never see you any more. That's why I chased you down the street when I saw you coming out of the courthouse. Glad you did. Sam was conscious of the pleasant warmth of Wally's persuasive charm. Let's go into the courthouse tavern and have a drink sam wanted to say let's skip it wally from what i hear you're drinking too much but that sort of talk wouldn't get him any place sam smiled and nodded sure okay the television at the end of the room was giving out news between beer ads as they sat down at a table by the door while they waited for their orders sam leaned across the table and talked in a low tone his words full of purpose and feeling being first friday today mom and i went to mass this morning for some reason mom kind of thought she'd see you there 
She'd have liked that a lot. Did you tell her you'd come? Ollie turned for a moment to stare moodily at the television screen. She phoned me yesterday and asked me. I said I'd try. Or maybe I told her I'd be there. I don't remember. But good grief, Sam. It means I'd have to drive clear across town. You could explain that to her, couldn't you? I did. I told her you probably went to St. Peter's. You did, didn't you? Wally shook his head. No, I didn't have time. The fact of the matter is, Sam, I'm so busy I don't know which way to turn. Sam looked steadily at his brother. You worried about something, Wally? Wrinkles gathered in Wally's forehead before he replied. You'd worry, too, if you had my job. Maybe, but it looks to me as if it's all pretty much cut and dried, isn't it? It may look that way to you, but it isn't. Sam could see that honesty, simplicity, and directness were no longer a part of Wally's manner. He wondered if he should say anything more. Wally might get angry and lose his temper. Then he'd get nowhere with him. With an attempt at lightness, Sam said, Suppose you could drop around on Sunday and go to church with us. We go to ten o'clock mass. How about picking us up? Mom would like that. Wally's voice was soft and reserved. It was the tone he used when he wanted to turn men to his will. You know how it is, Sam. I keep saying to myself that I've got to go with you and Mom once in a while like I used to. But you know how it is. No, how is it? After the words were out, Sam was sorry he'd said them. Wally looked up, his mouth puckered with surly humor. I'm always too busy. Too busy to go to Mass on Sundays? I go often enough to keep my political fences repaired. Is that the only reason? There was mockery in Wally's voice. Can you name a better one? Any hope that Sam had entertained of influencing his brother changed to dull, sick apprehension. He couldn't believe that Wally would talk this way. The tightness in his throat grew to the point where he could hardly speak. After a bit, he said, I thought maybe it was because of Vera that you didn't get around to visiting Mom or going to Mass with us any more. Wally scowled. Vera doesn't care what I do. Even though she doesn't go to any church herself, she never objects to what I do. She's only been with you once to visit Mom since you got married more than two years ago. Vera's terribly busy, Sam. Sam nodded. I know, but then isn't everyone? Maybe if you'd make a little more effort. You trying to tell me how to run my life? Sam shook his head. No, I just thought maybe you could crowd in a few minutes for Mom. She's getting old, you know. While Sam talked, Wally couldn't help observing the hope and expectancy in his face. He knew Sam was sincere in what he was asking, yet he didn't like it. He wanted to be left alone. You're asking the impossible, Sam. I can't do any more than I am doing. Sam's forehead contracted into a frown. I hope all you're doing is on the up and up. You know there's a lot of talk around about you using your office. Wally glanced up at his brother quickly and then lowered his eyes. All Sam could see was the top of his head, where light from the television glinted blue on his curly black hair. When Wally spoke, his voice was low and bitter, and seemed to come out of the bottom of his throat. He kept his head down, eyes intent on tracing the grain of the wood of the tabletop with his fingertips. I don't like your tone, Sam. You know a man in public office is always the butt of scandalmongers. 
You mind your own affairs, and I'll take care of mine. I suspect that you've been digging around. I haven't been doing any digging. You have my word on that, Sam said. I just said that people are talking. I hear the other men on the police force, and I get enough to know it's about you, and what they say isn't a compliment. When they see me, they shut up. Just give me your word that you're not pulling any shady deals, and I'll never mention this to you again. In fact, why don't you take the bull by the horns, admit that you've heard these rumors yourself, and demand an investigation of your office? That would stop all this talk. Wally scowled. I told you before, keep your nose out of my affairs. If I find you poking around, doing any investigating on your own, I'll see that you are put back in uniform on a beat in the factory district. You wouldn't do that. And why wouldn't I? Wally asked with an upward jerk of his head that brought his eyes level with his brother's. Sam hesitated. Well, for one reason, Vera couldn't stand to have a brother-in-law of hers in uniform. You know that as well as I do. Why, that's... Don't kid yourself, Wally cut in. Vera has learned to mind her own business, something you better start doing. Maybe she's found living with you a rougher bargain than she planned. You know people say you married her for her social position, just because her father is a judge, and because they've always been well fixed. I think. I don't care what you think, or what anyone else thinks. I don't. But I do, Sam interrupted. I don't like these rumors about your integrity. I know as prosecutor you pick up a lot of dirt on a lot of people, and it could be so easy to make it pay to keep the dirt from showing. Wally cocked an eyebrow at Sam. Just what rumors have you been hearing that have you so upset? There's talk that you've been selling out in some of your cases. I know Chief Wilkes, for one, is sore about that last one. He worked hard on it and brought in enough evidence about the guy in the chair. And just when did Harvey Wilkes become competent to judge what is sufficient evidence to get a conviction of first-degree murder? He's been a cop for a long time, Wally. He knows his stuff. Believe me, Wilkes is one smart guy. Maybe he's too smart. What do you mean? Just this, that if he gets shooting his mouth off about my being satisfied with a second-degree verdict, I'll take care of him. If he's getting too big for his britches, I'll cut him a pair that will fit. Nice blue uniform pants. You couldn't do that, and you know it. You're just talking big. Wally gave Sam a smile, narrow and tight against his teeth. Norris County may not be the biggest nor the wealthiest county in Ohio, but what there is of it, I run. What I say goes. I've worked hard to get in the place I'm in, and no small fry like Wilkes is going to push me out. You may tell him so for me. But Davis and Wilkes both worked on that last case. They said... They said, they said. I know they said it. They told me. But could they prove it? You know better than to think I'd shake down anyone. Sam's eyebrows came together in a fleeting scowl. No, Wally, I don't. And I don't seem to understand you any more. There's getting to be a bad smell about too many things you've been doing lately. You can't get by with it forever. Sooner or later... Sam paused. Sooner or later what? Wally demanded. A grand jury will crack down on you. Sam watched his brother closely as he made the last statement. He noted that the smooth surface was beginning to wear thin. Wally was worried. Small, sudden flashes of wildness shot through his dark eyes, and an overlay of sweat appeared on his high forehead. I told you, Sam, to keep out of my affairs. 
There was a bitter crispness in his voice as he strained to keep it low. Sam made no immediate reply, but looked squarely into his brother's eyes for a long moment. I'm going to tell you something, Wally, Sam began slowly. As sure as I'm sitting here, you are heading for trouble. It's getting to the point where no one will trust you. If there's any truth in these stories, you'd better stop whatever's starting them. Because before I'll let you do anything to bring disgrace and shame home to Mom, I'll stop you myself. Sam's face was tense as he said the last word. Disbelief was etched on Wally Brighton's face as he said in a low voice, How? Sam slowly shook his head. Does that matter? The waiter came with their drinks. Wally downed his without bracing himself for it to hit. Sam knew that his wasn't his first drink of the afternoon. Sam's mind raced in a futile attempt to understand his brother. What had changed him so much in the past couple of years? He didn't seem to be able to reach him at all any more. It was as if Wally had climbed to a height from which he was trying to dominate everything and everyone. Although each brother knew that the other was keeping his true feelings in check, Wally felt the weight of Sam's will, and for the first time in his life he was scared. He fumbled for a cigarette and flipped a flame from a pocket lighter before he answered. You're talking like, like a goon, Sam. Wally's voice rose, and don't try to be so self-righteous and tough. As for me ever bringing scandal home to Mom, don't worry, I can keep my skirts clean. Keep your voice down, Sam said. The bartender is listening. Wally cast the bartender a belligerent look. Let him listen. I'm not worried about him hearing what I've got to say. What I'm worried about is that you'll jump to some rash conclusion about my business affairs and do something that we'll all be sorry for. That would really bring disgrace home to Mom. Meaning what? That you were just now threatening to kill me. I didn't say that. You implied it. How else would you stop me? Sam gave a short, forced laugh. Forget it. I meant nothing of the kind. When Wally made no further comment, Sam looked at him closely to try to read from his expression just what he was thinking. He seemed to have lost all tension, but two small signals told Sam that his brother wasn't liking any part of the conversation. The upward stroke of his lip corners, as if he were about to smile, and the way he worried the glass on the table with his long, well-kept fingers. After a long moment, Wally asked, Have another beer? Sam shook his head. No, thanks. I've had enough. They stood up to leave, an awkward silence between them, until Sam said with a depth of feeling, Don't let the things we've just said get between us. Let's... Wally's nostrils quivered with anger. You've had your say, and it sure was a mouthful. Let's get out of here. He turned and walked abruptly away. Sam followed. Out on the sidewalk, Wally continued on his way without another word, while Sam watched him, his own spirit torn between pity and regret. He was sorry he had talked to Wally. It had done no good. And now when Sam recalled this conversation, the splinters of memory were like poison barbs. End of chapter 2